Welcome to One News Inside Parliament. It's our weekly catch-up about these stories that we've been covering on One News. We're coming to you from the legendary Beehive studio. I'm Jessica Much Mackay. I'm Mikey Sherman. And I'm Benedict Collins. And we come to you with the Big Budget Week podcast. It's been an extraordinary week in politics, and I don't think that's an over-exaggeration. It's just been exceptional. Shall we start off perhaps with our pits and end on a high? Um, my pit this week was um, feeling sorry for the finance minister. We went along on Tuesday, and uh, they do this traditional thing where they print off the budget and we're allowed to go for this photo op and he was just living his best life he was happy he was talking about the cheese rolls he was going to have on budget day he was talking about how the prime minister um, picked out his tie for budget day he was holding it up he was smiling um, he was really excited the next time we saw him deflated because turns out part of his budget was leaked so it was just seeing the juxtaposition between this so happy and then so sad and so deflated. So that was that was my pit, pit this week. Almost definitely the pit. My pit this week is a bit of a flow on from yours, uh, actually, <coughs> Jess. Um, and again, it's uh, a pit for the finance minister. Uh, it's a bit of a peak for me, though. I thought it was quite hilarious. But as you mentioned, um, Grant Robertson likes to enjoy his cheese uh, roll on budget day. It's a bit of a tradition. And Bill English used to do the um, mince pie or, you know, the pie. And yesterday, a huge contingent of the Labour Party uh, MPs, I think it was class of 17, um, replied to a National uh, Party MP tweet um, saying, you know, we're still keeping up the tradition with the with the mince pies and they all had their pies. And then um, the caucus 17 group uh, replied back with their photo with a whole bunch of pies and I just thought I don't know if that was the right move guys because you're taking up Bill English's tradition your finance minister's already been you know kicked while he's down and you're just adding salt to the uh, wound there by not yeah. having cheese cheese rolls so yeah, I thought that was the worst mm, bit I don't know <laughs> don't know about that one and my pit a uh, clear pit this week I was uh, laid low at the start of the week uh, with man flu and uh, gentlemen, I uh, regret to inform you, it's a particularly uh, strong strain this year. Um, and so I was sitting at home on Tuesday and I started to see things unfolding at Parliament. And all of a sudden you realise budget documents are being leaked and you're like, oh no, oh no, and I'm not at work. And then you see the National Party releasing, dumping their uh, culture review that wasn't actually a culture review. Um, and I really enjoyed Mikey's story earlier this week, which, you know, Simon Bridges had said, oh, you know, we're going to find, make sure that women are safe in the National Party. And the summary they released of their report didn't even mention women at all. <laughs> and then we had the, um, oh, and then the Alfredo as well. Um, the, all in the, one day. The born again um, National Party MP, um, you know, uh, swearing allegiance back to National again. And I, I was sitting at home and I missed it all. Yeah, mm. but we're very glad that you have recovered um, from that exceptionally strong strain. Yes, So we're glad yes. to have you back with us again. It's very good. Just survived. And yeah. the news cycle certainly didn't slow down, did it? No. No, no, that, it, it hasn't. And that was, my, that was my peak of the week, actually. Um, yeah. What an absolute circus here at Parliament, and I, yeah. I love a good circus. <laughs> it was so much fun, and we're going uh, to be looking at it in the, in the tracks later on. Um, but, yeah. It has been. Huge been. amount of fun What this was week. your peak My peak was probably... Um, the indexation of the benefits um, announced yesterday, linking it to um, uh, wage rises um, as part of the budget. Um, obviously, sort of been almost three decades um, 
that our benefits levels have been lagging behind. Um, but it is only one part of the solution, and we'll talk about the second part later on in our podcast. Um, my peak this week was actually going in and watching some of the budget speeches. I quite like them because it's uh, it's more raw. You don't, especially the opposition, they don't have a lot of time to debate, uh, uh, prepare, sorry. So it's mm. more like a debate because they have their little speech notes and they just have to get up and respond. And so you do see more of the kind of natural theatre. Um, and I really enjoyed that. I enjoyed hearing from Simon Bridges and then having the Prime Minister, I could see her furiously writing on little um, note cards and reminded me of my debating days at school and then getting up. It's a much more organic process rather than their pre-prepared speeches. So I only stayed in for about half an hour just to watch that and get a flavour of that. But it was just um, interesting to see them doing that. So that was my peak this week. So we'll, we've, had this, we've, t- we've had this crazy exceptional week this week. So we'll start off by having a look at this leaked information from the National Party. Let's kick it off with Benedict Strack. In no mood to talk. Are you going to resign over this? You're very welcome to look at the statements I've already made. With a call for his head. The Secretary of the Treasury's position is clearly untenable. He must resign. Treasury complained to the police this week, telling Kiwi's budget documents had been stolen in a sophisticated hack. They have attacked it persistently, systematically, in a very determined fashion. In reality, National simply looked on their website. The National Party got this information through what could be described as sharp practice. I mean, they went looking very, very hard for it. The police wasted no time in giving Mr McClough's complaint the boot. They told him nothing unlawful had happened. It turns out Treasury's budget security was simply incredibly sloppy. Has Gabrielle McClough misled you? Look, I'm not going to get into that today. I put out a statement already today that say that I'm disappointed. Simon Bridges calling for the Finance Minister to go too. You'd have to have been born yesterday to believe that a deeply political minister like Grant Robertson wasn't donkey deep in this. He must resign. I appreciate the fact that people have got questions about those issues. This lock-up is about the content of the budget. And he wants Winston Peters to say sorry for suggesting National's actions were illegal. If the Deputy Prime Minister has any integrity, he should apologise publicly. The reality is that he said anybody could have done that. Well, of all the adults in this country, not one did. Just him and his office. Treasury's behaviour now firmly in the spotlight. Yeah, so actually yesterday, I've, I've been in Parliament for in the press gallery now for five years, but it was actually the first time I was um, in the budget lock-up. And I, I was under the impression, you know, it was going to be all about numbers and the economy and stuff like that. I didn't realise I got to chase um, public servants around Parliament. That was that was fantastic. It was um, a rarity, <laughs> let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, it is. Apparently that doesn't normally happen on Budget Day. Um, but look, big. Um, uh, I think there are still big questions here about where this is going to go and whether... Um, Treasury Secretary actually I think whether or not he just ran political interference um, for the for the government here by laying a pretty spurious uh, police complaint about having been hacked. Um, I mean the police threw that out the same day. I mean they've had Sarah Dowie's text message for seven months to Jamie Lee Ross and they can't tell us whether or not that broke the law yet they can reject this uh, you know within 24 hours. Um, 
pretty pretty amazing response there. My take on it is it's more about us covering rather than being deliberately political. I think what happened is, and this is just this is just um, my take on it, but um, I think that it was highly embarrassing for Treasury that they realised that there was such a gap in their system, and they went on the offensive to make themselves not look so bad rather than being like, oh, we'll save the minister here. To me, they went they went you know way too hard. Um, the other way but I don't think it was I, my feeling is that it wasn't politically motivated it was and that maybe that's where we disagree it was more about making themselves not look so bad and it's now and that meant that nationals come back really hard on them as well and it's just exploded if they'd said, just said on the day oh look it was a major mistake what a terrible thing to happen um I kind of feel like we might have all moved on. And it's from a mistake it. that they obviously knew and which Simon Bridges only only Simon Bridges though just pointed it out when he did his press conference yesterday, which he was, you know, um notably quite strong in. Um and we can talk about how strong he's been actually on this um this week. I've been quite impressed. But he pointed out that Treasury had realised the error in terms of the search function on Tuesday. Mm. And yet we only heard just yesterday that from Simon Bridges and we and we had, um, you know, the Secretary of Treasury trying to still maintain that it was the systemic hack when on Tuesday they had obviously figured it out that had closed the doors down because uh, Simon Bridges said they could no longer get in and get the information. And, and the reason I think Simon Bridges is right and that Treasury knew straight away what had happened is because... Remember, the secretary was saying on Wednesday morning we were subject to two thousand attempts to try and hit that. Um, what was the the bolt, the, the, bolt, the yeah. weak bolt? You know that they were trying to get into our locked room where we keep our highly sensitive documents. Now they're saying, oh yeah, you know there were two thousand um, entries into our search yeah. uh, search portal on our we- on our, on own our website. Own so I think they knew straight yeah. away what had happened, and so he comes out and you know makes it sound like it's this brigal. A elaborate hack on their website and it was just their really sloppy security um, did you have another point because I, I guess going back to Mikey's point about the about Simon Bridges performance I was watching him on breakfast this morning mm. and he was just on fire and you think it's funny what a little bit of a confidence boost over three or four days does to a politician and it just gives him a little bit of a shot of energy and he's just he's just going for it he's just um, hitting his points hard there's no hesitation so I think it's it's really interesting to see him this week and it'll be interesting to see whether that pays off for him in the polls because obviously as you know we've talked about many times on recent podcasts his fate has been really hanging in the air um, but he's delivered a really strong performance for the opposition today and I wonder if that's now changed some of the narrative and the rhetoric around him or will people see it as him being sneaky and taking stuff that he wasn't supposed to you know, and I want to talk about that point too. Mm. But did you want to? Did you have something else, Benedict? Before we move on, he's yeah, referring to his oh, notepad, so it's yeah. obviously very important. So, you know, the way things played out on Tuesday, National was just smoking them all day long, drip feeding release after release after release, and then you had the tre- Treasury come out with, "Oh no, we've referred it to police," and Grant Robertson coming in, be, you know, pleading to National to stop releasing it because it was the subject of a police investigation, and that's why I think you know this was politically motivated because the government was just getting a hiding um but i also i remembered back to when um national first went into opposition and bill english um coming out and saying oh you know as the biggest party in parliament and um 
you know, it's this huge opposition. We're going to be a constructive opposition. And I think Simon Bridges well and truly euthanized that puppy this week, didn't he? <laughs> but, you know, like I guess it's their job to stir up trouble and mix things up. <laughs> Absolutely. Win, yeah, win, yeah. win. Constructive but I just, what? But, it's, yeah. it, but there's almost two games going on here. There's almost the political game that's going on and we're seeing, we're like, oh, he's he's winning because it's a success with the um, disrupting the budget and it's a success because he's coming out so strongly and hitting things. And then you've almost got the real life game where people are sitting at home being like, ah, oh, you guys, it's so childish. Mm. hacking into a website and getting all the money out uh, sorry all the information out and all the numbers and things and um, how silly that they're trying to distract when this information will be released anyway so it'll be interesting to see where the settles between those two things and how the public actually feel about it and just on that I mean because that, that, that has been a big part of this of this debate and you know whether it was it was right or whether it was just morally wrong and obviously we've heard from the police that it, it wasn't unlawful and we saw how easy it was to access that information you know Simon Bridges likened it to basic Google search or a search on trade me which you know is is quite accurate um, so it was easy enough to get it but it does bring it back to the question is is that what we want to see from our politicians is that what we want to see here at parliament you know it's one thing to be the opposition and you know I love a good sort of takedown as much as the other person but it has to serve a purpose and if that purpose was to show that you know we've got one of our biggest um, government uh, 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 officers departments here um, who's got really weak security systems uh, you know protecting some of our most confidential documents then sure but that was never the first intention of, of what National tried to achieve when it first leaked this information, didn't come out and say, hey, here's the budget information that we've found, and we found it because there's a huge weakness in the Treasury um, website security uh, you know, systems. They didn't go that, that sort of moral high ground. Now that it's come out later on, they're trying to claim that space, but I don't think it was ever the space that they originally entered into. So I don't really buy that argument that it was for the public good and it was you know it was our duty to do it I think mm. but look how happy it's made Benedict <laughs> yeah, yeah I would have done it in a heartbeat but, would, uh, would Labour uh, have done it I, I, I do see thing. what you're saying Benedict like, has yeah. a very questionable moral compass <laughs> yeah, so you know no, I, yeah I love a circus but um, no I, I think I, I, I see what you're saying and it is kind of a bit like National going like no 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 we've got your budget documents kind of like there isn't that higher purpose but at the same time Good on them. Yeah, they got yeah, the documents. Yeah, yeah. Go the it. other argument is, you know, we've heard the question, would Labour have done it? I would argue that maybe that, that they wouldn't have. Oh, we haven't yeah. seen that type of approach from Labour, unless I'm, unless I'm forgetting something. But I don't ever recall Labour having sort of implored those sorts of tactics in recent years. Um, maybe they're not clever enough. Maybe they're not, <laughs> you know, steely. And honestly, this is genuine. But, or maybe they just don't go down that sort of road. And I, I'm going to say it, it kind of gives me flashbacks to the, to the likes of the dirty politics stuff, you know, this sort of grabbing information that we're not supposed to... Well, yeah, it's one thing to get leaked information. I don't know. It just, it's just... It's a tricky situation, on that, that one. flashback then and go even further back mm. to 1986 because this, my friend, is not the first time we have had a budget leak. So take a look at this. It was a tired and strained Mr Longy who stepped off the plane at Wellington Airport today after a frantic dash back from Fiji to confront the crisis. Acting Prime Minister Geoffrey Palmer was there to quickly bring Mr Longy up to date on the situation as they were whisked away back to Parliament. 
Total secrecy surrounded the resignation offer. It was thought ANZUS developments in San Francisco were responsible for Mr Longy scurrying home. In fact, last night from the Beehive, Mr Palmer had rung the Prime Minister in Fiji with the news Mr Douglas had handed in his notice. The resignation letter outlined a budget security bungle that could mean as many as 52 copies of the budget were given to members of the FOL, the Labour Party executive and newspaper editors well before Mr Douglas gave his budget night speech. Mr Douglas cited the Westminster tradition of ministerial responsibility and said he'd quit the first thing this morning. It was for me to assess whether, on the principles of good government, that resignation ought to be accepted. I consider it should not have been. But opposition leader Mr Jim Bolger sees it differently. I mean, this happened uh, 12 days ago, this uh, budget leak. The real issue of today, which was today's issue, was the uh, communique from the United States and Australia from San Francisco, uh, which confirmed that New Zealand is out of Angus. That's the big issue. As for the man at the centre of the row, Finance Minister Roger Douglas, well, all he'd tell reporters when he left town late this afternoon was, I'm not resigning. <laughs> So we have seen that tradition that if there's a major botch up in your ministry, you offer your resignation as a gesture. Now, there's not a snowflake's chance in hell that the Prime Minister would accept Grant Robertson's resignation, but maybe it's one of those things that he could he, he may have thought about offering. Your face disagrees. But I just wonder if in these situations... I mean, I think that um, the head of Treasury... I, the writing is on the wall and it's a matter of timing. Um, I think he will have to go. He's meant to go next week. Um, but I well, just think there's uh, that uh, tradition. This, this month he goes off to take over. I think it's the, the equivalent of the Reserve Bank of Ireland. So oh, did I say next week? Yeah, yeah. so, so he, he's due to and depart anyway. Month, yeah. So whether or not, yeah, who knows whether they're going to give him the mm. boot um, before then. What's the, you can he say what's the point. He should just fall on his sword now. Um, he needs to go now. He needs to go now. He shouldn't I think even, he will. I don't even think he should have come to the budget lockup yesterday. He created a circus within the budget lockup. Grant Robertson did a really good job shutting down questions quite quickly when asked about that by journalists. And the funny thing was, one of the journalists asked um, where the secretary was and why he wasn't at the budget lockup. And just as he went to finish that answer, and, 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 and Grant Robertson sort of gave him a meagre response, uh, the, treasurer, uh, the secretary walked up and waved at kind all of, like of the leaned media, in leaned him. in and waved at all of the media and everyone just gasped. And then after that, it was all cameras on him. Journalists are like Benedict chasing him down. Yeah. <laughs> um, he shouldn't have been there and he needs to resign. <laughs> um, you go. So I, I don't think Grant has any, Grant Robertson has any intention whatsoever of offering his resignation. Do you think he should? And I did ask him that about an hour ago again. He was pretty adamant he wasn't going to do it. So I think I'm yeah. safe ground there. Yeah, and I, and I think... Um, that I I don't think there's any risk that he um, it would be accepted. But there is, you know, when there's a major botch up in your ministry, yes, he didn't make mistakes, but as we saw in that story there, um, the you know, Roger Douglas didn't make mistakes either. It was just under his watch. You are ultimately responsible for the budget. So I don't know. See, yeah, for me, it, almost like, hey, you, you've made that, silly mistake and people have little well, the national party have accessed the this year's budget document so that and that's bad enough but for me the uh, is all the rubbish around it being a, a systematic sustained hack on your website you know i just don't believe he was telling the truth and that he i think he deli deliberately misled kiwis um and quite possibly the minister this week on what, i what think it'll be there. interesting to see how today 
and this weekend plays out. But should we mm. segue a little? This has obviously been a distraction in the shadow cast over this budget day. Yeah. Um, but the, we had some big winners out of the budget as well. And I think we would have started with these stories um, in the podcast if it had been any other week. Um, so mental health was a big winner with $1.9 billion pumped into it. It was a big thing that the government promised it would be the centre point of their budget. So here's my track on that. This 24-year-old knows the mental health system inside and out. The first time I tried to take my life, I was 12 years old, and, and I tried many more times throughout my teenage years. She's relieved with news of the big boost. It's something that we have needed and been asking for for so long. It's the single biggest investment in mental health, and the finance minister says it'll help 300,000 Kiwis. It is front and centre in all of our well-being. A major concern from experts is not having enough trained professionals. We simply don't have enough workers, so there's going to be uh, some tremendous uh, learning and job opportunities in the mental health sector over the next five years. So $455 million over four years will go on training more mental health workers. $200 million for new and existing mental health facilities. $128 million for mental health help for prisoners. And $40 million for suicide prevention. It's hoped that'll help mild and moderate cases too. That are not yet at the point of trying to take their lives, that are able to access help to be able to hopefully prevent that from becoming the outcome. When will we start to see our poor statistics turn around on that? It most certainly will take time. It's the first wellbeing budget, meaning any spending has to be good for our wellbeing, not just the bottom line. We begin through this budget to value and measure all that makes life worthwhile in New Zealand. Mr Speaker, I commend to this House the wellbeing budget. And then it was Nationals' turn. It's a broken budget. This is a botched budget. How can it be a wellbeing budget when there really is only crumbs under the table for cancer drugs in this country. Also quick to point out what's not in the budget. Immigration. Welfare reform. Fees free. Kiwi build. <laughs> that was uplifting. It's now up to the public to decide how well the wellbeing budget delivers. So obviously we've been waiting for this for a long time. Yesterday we had the government's response to the mental health report that um, was delayed and delayed because they wanted to announce what they were going to, how they were going to respond to the report and then pump some money into it at the same time. So that was designed to be a one-two hit Wednesday, Thursday this week. I think it's fair to say that that response got a bit lost on Wednesday because of all this budget leak stuff. But I do think that um, for a lot of people, they will have watched the news last night and thought, yeah, that's the right thing to be pumping money into. One in five people affected by mental health or drug addiction, 355,000 people um, affected by this. Um, so I think I, I think people will see that as a good thing. Yeah, I noticed yesterday um, an MP at Parliament who's had his own mental health problems recently, Jamie Lee Ross, um, he, he went on social media and said, oh, hey, actually... This is, you know, this is a great initiative by the government, sort of applauding them for putting this funding into mental health as well. Yeah, credit where credit's due, eh? And that, that's basically what he said. Um, and uh, really good to see um, uh, that there'll be sort of mental um, health uh, workers available in mm. doctors' clinics and GPs. So when you go to your GP, you know, because the usual wait time is around six weeks, um, and 
also really interesting to see that they're targeting what they call the missing middle, uh, which is basically those with mild to moderate um, mental health issues who aren't quite at that end point where they're, you know, really under, you know, so much pressure and that they're, you know, on the borderline of taking their own lives. People have always been saying that's where you have to get to in order to get some help. So it's good that they're getting that early intervention in and that they're placing those um, workers in GPs so it's easier for people to access right then and there. That's what they need. I think what was quite interesting is watching Simon Bridges' response. There was a lot of response to everything else. And he kind of said, well, you know, mental health, that's a good thing to put money into, move on very swiftly. Mm. So I think the opposition we, uh, the, the opposition we saw from the opposition was... Um, not to do with mental health. I think it's a hard thing to argue with. Um, but the other thing that got... Did you want to make one more point on that? Or are you no, happy? But the other area that got um, a big injection of money was this whole area of child um, well-being. Um, for anyone who's listening to this podcast rather than watching and hearing a delightful chewing noise, um, that will be Mikey Sherman um, eating the lollies to try and keep hey, us, give us some energy. Party, guys. <laughs> some energy and sustenance. So just in case you're wondering what that curious noise is, um, let, me, um, let me allay those concerns. But let's take a look at her track on child well-being and families that came out of the budget. It's just after 8am at Manurewa's work and income and dozens, including mum Memory Brown, are worried about their own budgets. Because the budget we live off with my nine children, um, we can't even afford to eat after we pay our rent. All main benefits today getting a boost. Benefit indexation delivering $320 million over four years, impacting over 300,000 families and individuals. Currently, benefit increases are linked to the CPI or Consumer Price Index. Now it'll be linked to average wage increases. Indexing benefits, how much better off will individuals and families be? By 2023, they will be between $10 and $17 per week better off than they would have been with just the CPI adjustment. Wages in New Zealand and through the GDP have grown significantly in the last 20 years or so. We haven't seen that same growth in benefit levels. But while indexation is welcomed, experts say we still need to lift benefits much higher. We have to face the reality that the benefit levels are out of kilter. This is only phase one uh, of what has to be a campaign over many years. Parents did get a helping hand, removing school donations at a cost of $266 million. It'll cover up to half a million students. Offering Decile 1 to 7 schools $150 per child if they stop requesting donations. That'd be great, it'd be a huge help. A significant investment too for Oranga Tamariki, $1.1 billion over four years. A lot of that will be aimed at intensive early intervention with the aim of avoiding children ending up in state care. It includes an extra 350 frontline staff. This is a shift from a child crisis service to an actual child protection service. And keeping the family focused, a significant cash injection for Farno Order, $80 million over four years. So this was also a significant investment in yesterday's budget alongside mental health. Um, and like I mentioned um, in our pits and our peaks, um, the indexation of benefits, linking it to um, wage inflation um, is going to be a huge help. 
maybe not as much help as is required and that was the second point that I was sort of alluding to um, all of the experts you know sort of we, we saw there in my track um, Children's Commissioner Andrew Beecroft um, saying that actually benefits need to be lifted in general they've been lagging behind for almost 30 years um, and it's not enough for people to live on and we heard um, from that mother um, in my track there uh, Memory Brown who um, said that you know an extra 10 to 17 dollars by 2023 which is you know three to four years away um, a week isn't isn't going to cut it it's, it's barely going to cover you know two bottles of milk and a bread for her children so that's the next step and I think a lot of people were disappointed that they didn't see that in yesterday's budget because what was the figure in the um, welfare report was it 47 yeah and so that's what they suggest that the that the benefit could should go up with go up by now that's unrealistic um, and would never fly politically but that's the kind of level that we're but that I, I interviewed um, Ganesh Nana, who's um, the chief economist for Bill, this morning, and he said, um, yes, because I put it to him, you know, the, the point of a budget is that you have to stay within budget, you have to have a budget, and he said, yes, but, you know, um, the, it was this government who promised transformation. It was this that's government right. who raised expectations. So they need to be brave, and that's the key word. They need to be brave to be able to deliver on that. And um, he t- spoke about, you know, um, obviously Grant Robertson giving themselves a bit of wriggle room um, come 2023 um, in terms of, you know, just being, how much cash they'll be able to spend, sort of expanding that out a little bit. He's saying, why wait? People are, are needing that help right now Um, and even these changes with the benefits aren't coming in until next year Um, and they're saying you know people in the meantime are still going to be in desperate situations and the most affected by that we know are the children so um, what was that nice analogy he used about he said that Grant Robertson is saving for a rainy day but that people are drowning now and I thought that was quite powerful Mm. yeah one thing that sort of hit me yesterday sitting in on on the on the budget um you know, we're looking at some of the big, big figures like the, the key one with mental health, with you know 1.9 billion dollars, and they had other announcements, you know, around the billion dollar mark. The key, key sort of programs really made me kind of wonder about those four um, Poseidon aeroplanes that we're buying from the United States at 1.7 billion dollars. <throat> and uh, you know, when you, when you think about this, you know, the, the flagship announcement is mental health at 1.9. And you've got four planes coming in, submarine hunters, they're known as, you know, at 1.7 billion. And I did ask the Minister of Finance this morning, he, he did, I said, hey, you know, do you wonder whether that's a good use of value, a good use of money for, for Kiwis? And he said, hey, uh, what you need to think about when you think about, you know, the purchase of those planes is is those planes are going to last for 30 or 40 years. So so it is a big upfront number, you know, is his argument. But actually, it, it will roll out over decades as I well. I also think we are a global citizen and um, we can't be a tin pot country that doesn't contribute um, to our neighbours. And I think uh, to be able to offer... Um, you know that kind of friendship and relationship with some of our other partners. We have to um, have a fleet that can at least fly. Um, and yeah, that's right. Embarrassing, and, and from for, and or, having or we all keep, fly on this, it keeps in the air. Maybe um, <laughs> on we, a good day. Yeah. On a good day. Yeah, I mean we've all the Hercs and the seven five sevens. It's you know you turn up at the airport. It's a little bit can be a bit embarrassing sometimes along some of the other countries with big flash planes the guys who operate them are amazing and fantastic and look after us so well but sometimes you just think oh should we not be 
you know, we need to, that, that stuff is, is important as being big global players. So I think that even though it's perhaps not quite, doesn't fit in the well-being budget, mm. um, I, I think it's an important place to spend money. Can I just make one more uh, point on the um, on, on yesterday's sort of uh, focus on children and families? Because I thought this was really cute and maybe I should have had it as my pick, I only just remembered. Um, but uh, as part of the $1.1 billion for Oranga Tamariki, um, one thing that I thought was really cute was that there's $70 million being put aside to be able to buy children who are in care toys, sports equipment and laptops and books um, and um, specialist health resources um, and I just think that was really cool that was really cute because you know you want these kids they don't have much they've got a really rough life and I think it's really cool to see that we're putting money aside just to buy them some toys and some basketballs and some you know laptops things that they can have that all kids want to mm. have and that, and that like yeah. just little things like that so I think that was really nice. Well, I really after a um, scrappy and tumultuous week in politics, maybe that's a nice place to leave it on a high note. So it's been great to have you with us on Inside Parliament. It was our weekly catch-up about the political stories that we've been covering on One News, and oh, what a week it was. We we're on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. It's available around this time each week on One News Now and One News Facebook page, and check us out on your favourite podcasting app and we'll see you after Queen's birthday weekend. Yeah.